0: starts out like great not everyone starts out like social or really capable of networking stuff like sometimes it's an uncomfortable process that once you do it enough times you start to see that change in yourself as a person like it gets easier to talk to people
1: Hello and welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising Black, Indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Zalanda, one half of your co-host.
2: And I'm Yuki Okamoto-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Grace Villaroman. She is a Filipino-American artist working as an animator at Sony Imageworks in Vancouver, Canada. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself?
0: Hi guys, thanks for having me. I'm Grace I grew up in Anaheim, California, the place where Disneyland is. I'm first generation. My parents came from the Philippines and I was born here. And I went to college at San Francisco State University. While I was in the Bay Area, I interned at Pixar as a character animation intern in 2018 and 2019. And now I work at Sony Pictures Imageworks in Canada. And the way we'd like to start
2: off on straight ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices and then you have to choose in between the two of them and then let us know why. Okay. Cool.
1: I'll start us off with the first question. Which overbearing dad would you rather deal with? Count Dracula from Hotel Transylvania or Grug from The Croods?
0: Oh my God. I haven't watched Croods in a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: was going to say, this is a dig deep, Bray. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Overbearing dad. Due to my lack of recollective knowledge on the Crudes, I, I definitely wouldn't mind Drac. He's a vampire. He has magic. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real draw. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess that would make you a vampire too, huh?
1: Yeah, I was like, I guess that makes sense. If When it comes down to it, would you rather be uh... A vampire or a caveman?
0: (laughs) A literal caveman? (laughs) No, thank you.
2: (laughs) Awesome. All right, next one. Would you rather have your soul trapped in a cat like Joe from Soul or have your body molecularly altered to become a pigeon like Agent Lance Sterling from Spies in Disguise?
0: Oh, that's so easy. I I would 100%... (laughs) Be a cat. Oh my god. Like that is actually my dream in life goals. Just become they, a cat? Yes. If they do find a way to transition souls into animals one hundred percent. Just laying in the sun,
1: the dream. I agree with that. Yeah. If you're if you're a cat, you can probably actually say it at home if you're a pigeon. No one no one wants you as a pigeon.
0: I mean you do get to fly.
2: You get to fly. And be a gross uh, sky rat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I don't it's think my best. life expectancy would be amazing. <laughs>
1: uh, well, that's also true. Well, that was in between. Thanks so much for playing with us, Grace. Uh, hopefully you had a fun time.
0: Yeah.
2: Get <laughs> <laughs> a quick little icebreaker.
1: What do you do in your role as an animator at Sony Pictures Imageworks?
0: Well, as you would imagine, I do the animations. Of course, over here, it's 3D character animation. They don't do the 2Ds over here. If you don't already know what 3D character animation is, you're pretty much responsible for moving the 3D models. You receive layouts. You receive the general positioning of the characters in the scene. They do the camera work in layout. Mm -hmm. So that's not something you worry about. You just have to worry about the acting of the characters and their posing and their movements. And a lot of it is just bringing life to the character by making some acting choices.
1: That's pretty cool. It's really awesome that you get to kind of bring like acting and life to like the characters because when you first get it, it's like 3D and like they're just (laughs) literal dolls. But you guys get to bring the life and the charm into the characters. Um, So I guess I kind of want to ask that. How do you feel like working on an established franchise like Hotel Transylvania? Because you're currently working on uh, Hotel Transylvania 4, correct? Yeah. Do you actually find it easier animating characters that have already been established? Or is it harder for you to kind of stay true to the character when animating something like, again, something as established as Hotel Transylvania?
0: Well, what I think is it's not hard for the animators to animate it. Because you have like a Mm -hmm. wealth of reference. Three movies to look at. The directors and the supervisors already know exactly how the characters are. So on the front of getting like notes and feedback... It's really easy to stay in character when when everyone really has a deep understanding of these characters already. I think with franchises, it it seems to be a harder thing to work with established characters in story, I'd assume. Because making a believable or good story to continue that franchise sounds really hard.
1: I thought it'd be harder because it's like, ah damn, like there's not really wiggle room for you to kind of be creative or to like, you know, have fun with the character because you want it. Because, again, you also want to stay true and you want to be authentic to like what's already been established. So it's like you're kind of working within a box in a sense. But Mm -hmm. again, as an animator, yeah, you have a wealth of reference that you can like refer to when trying to accomplish a scene.
0: Yeah, I mean, true in character could be... That's like written into the board, or sometimes it's like a gesture they make. But yeah, for an animator, that's it's more a microscopic lens that you're looking at the character. And sometimes it's never like, oh, this character makes these specific gestures, so just choose a gesture from here. Sometimes Mm. it's important to be like as naturalistic with what you do, and maybe you could throw in like a new type of gesture, but. Yeah, staying true in character, it's its not hard when the character, it's already being, like, pushed by the voice or by the choices made in the storyboards. Mm-hmm. And then animators just have to make it believable.
1: I, th- I think that's the thing I like about animation, the, the fact that, like, you're kind of creating life in the sense of believability. Uh, something I kind of want to ask is that now that you're working at Sony Pictures Imageworks, you actually uprooted your life to Vancouver, did they kind of ask you to move or was that a choice that you made and you just want to change the scenery? Like, how was that transition for you?
0: We are required to move to Vancouver and that has a lot to do with the tax cuts that you get from your workers being B- British Columbian residents. And that was fine. They said Vancouver and I, I said, I'm there <laughs> already. Because <laughs> <laughs> much like you, Yuki, I was like, I lived in California. Mm-hmm. I just got to get out. But- election is happening politics over here just (laughs) yeah i just wanted to put my vote in and leave the country (laughs) but i mean overall like being a united states citizen like we definitely are in a more privileged position like globally it's Not hard to get a Canadian visa, and English is a widely used language. They don't speak French (laughs) in Vancouver, so I'm pretty much good on that front. And especially when you're dealing with a company like Sony that's international, (laughs) huge, obviously, I expect them to let things go smoothly. (laughs) 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 Like if they did it? i'd be concerned but Mm -hmm. everything went smoothly i was excited to move out because with the animation industry you're kind of you kind of get into it expecting that you're gonna have to make a couple moves and Mm -hmm. when you're young it's definitely not a problem yeah less
1: less attachments less things kind of weighing you down Mm -hmm. i think that's the beauty of it i know with the animation industry it is fairly nomadic i know i personally like being in california i I think I could live my entire life in SoCal and just be kind of there. But when you're young and like, or you're still relatively new, there's a lot of cool opportunity for you to kind of like go to like Australia, France, Canada, or even outside of California as you're kind of like, you know, still starting your career.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a friend of ours that's actually um, his first industry job out of school was working at a studio as an FX animator in Australia.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of studios going to Australia, so... Do I end up there? Who knows? I just follow where the wind takes me.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of studios also moving to Canada. I know Real Effects is moving pretty much their whole company to Canada from what I remember here. Yeah, because it's cheaper.
0: They're from Britain or?
1: No, they're from Texas. Oh. <gasps> Real Effects. Yeah, they're going from Texas to Canada.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, don't know what he I don't know why I said it like that.
0: I love it. <laughs>
2: are you that you're like blushing right
0: (laughs) anyways thank you
1: (laughs) you mentioned this off the like before we started recording but you kind of wanted to change the scenery you kind of like that you had the opportunity to move to vancouver i know with quarantine you're not really outside as much i don't know if it's actually better in canada they're probably way ahead of us than the states but How have you been liking, like living in a new country, living in a new city?
0: Vancouver, I can't say it's a huge culture shock. You know, everyone speaks English. You have your McDonald's. You have your American companies, of course. So it's it's very similar to like most metropolitans I've seen. Mm-hmm. I've heard it compared as like a mix between San Francisco and New York. And the funny thing I learned about Vancouver is that it's actually a place where they shoot a lot of B roll for live action, and they oh. just dress it up like it is a different city.
1: So <laughs> oh no, I, I've have seen that. I, I saw a video. I think it might have been Screen Rant or something. But yeah, Vancouver. Oh, was it every frame of painting?
0: Yeah, it was. Vancouver never plays itself, right? Yeah, yeah. Vancouver
1: never. Yeah, exactly. Vancouver never plays itself. It's always playing That's a different so city, funny. whether it's playing Chicago for Mission Impossible or like I'm making shit up right now, but like or playing like L. A. for like a different movie. But <laughs> eh. Vancouver is never Vancouver. That's incredible. I never knew. That. <laughs> and I think it's because it's cheaper to film there, right? That's the yep. reason why
0: yeah yeah probably the space that you ask for is definitely much cheaper than somewhere more populated like san francisco or la Mm la i've actually accidentally walked past a film set just randomly (laughs) oh that's cool i mean that happens in la too but it happens here surprisingly and then they have the vfx studios like right here so seems like a good fit
1: something interesting that i I found like because like i was like looking at your demo reel and i was surprised how much stuff you do so like as an animator you actually work in a variety of different mediums from 3d to 2d animation stop motion and even motion graphics like it honestly does seem like you really do have a love for everything animation what is it about each medium that kind of entices you
0: i think i could be a little bit scatterbrained sometimes and (laughs) sometimes it's it's like everything has its own like level of annoyingness and tedium. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you know the principles, it shouldn't be hard to like switch from one or another. You just have to kind of get used to the things that make each medium annoying. <laughs> with two D animation, I'll get tired of it because especially with the cleanup stuff, you get it's just you just draw an image over and over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I use 2D animation mostly. I use it as a, a lot at Sony because Hotel Transylvania is moving so fast. They kind of expect you to get your shots done really quickly. And you have to mm-hmm. like get your ideas out really quickly and get it pr- approved and pass the directors and supervisors pretty quickly. Because mm-hmm. there's not really a lot of time to re-block. There's not a lot of time to like get big blow-up notes. So one, one way to work more efficiently. Sorry, what does that mean? Uh, blow-up notes? Oh, Blow Up nose is like, you're doing something, and then the director's like, let's just change this entire the whole thing.
2: Scene. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and then you spent like t- three days on it, and then you just mm-hmm. said to bite your tongue and cry. <laughs> 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 Hasn't happened yet, but as I was saying, like, you show your ideas early, and 2D helps me with that, because mm-hmm. you don't have to touch the rigs at all to represent an idea with drawings. They don't even have to be good drawings. I think I think animators in general should never like limit themselves to oh I just do 3D animation, so I'm not going to try this drawing tool. You don't need to draw it good. Like a lot of people just do like scribbles, and really it's just like testing out a movement, and mm-hmm. then also testing out ideas. So you're just kind of like animating it 2D roughly first, and you're like you're showing your directors and like means testing what's working or what's not before you work with the rig. So that's 2D. And 3D motion graphics has a lot of elements similar to 3D because it is keyframe animation. And mm-hmm. I think the reason I say like animation limit themselves to like one specific type of animation is like they all have things that make them similar. And it's just a matter of like switching your toolkit. And you also learn a lot of different things by doing different mediums. Stop mm-hmm. motion is <laughs> it's probably the most different of them, obviously. <laughs>
1: I would even say it's probably the most difficult
0: <laughs> it its it might be the most tedious, I think
1: that's how I feel
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah it it has its similarities to three d where you are you are actually literally working with a puppet <laughs> with the mm-hmm. rig. It has some intersection with live action too because you're working with a camera. It's really fascinating, like it's very physical. like I, I was helping. Phil Tippett out. If you don't know Phil Tippett, he animated the walkers in Star Wars. This is before visual effects was 3D or done on a computer. Like they, Mm -hmm. they would make the creatures Mm -hmm. by doing stop motion. And the reason I love his work, he was working on this stop motion short called Mad God, which is Mm -hmm. this amazing like horror, gruesome little short. (laughs) Like I was there, literally. I wasn't doing much. I just, I was just. Honor to be in the presence of Phil. (laughs) 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 But I was helping out with like some fabrication, you know, like at some point I was like cutting off the bases of like army men to like make piles of dead bodies. Uh, (laughs) It's that kind of content. But the reason I bring it up is because I got to see the way they work, the way they put cameras on rigs and then move them with the characters, and like just how much clamps you need (laughs) just to like hold the sets together and I love being there and like seeing all the lighting setups and I just love how physical it is and how you have to Mm. put the thing together. I've also visited Leica, and it's just amazing to be like in a stop motion set.
2: I'm kind of curious because you work on like Hotel Transylvania do you like animating in that more cartoony it's a very snappy like super sort of pose based like very... Louis, you know, their arms kind of like move around like this. Do you like animating in that sort of style or do you prefer like other style of animation?
0: I like it. I like trying out different things too. So what I wouldn't like is to do s- the same thing for an extended period of time. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what I really <laughs> love about Sony is like, it's such a wide body of work, you know, like you have the cartoony stuff, you have the Spider-Verse stuff, and they already announced Jacob and the Sea Beast, so I could mention mm. it. I am slated to work on that. It's definitely going to be more performance-based. I'm super excited to work on performance-based stuff too. But right now, the c- cartoony stuff is fun and it lends well to being able to do 2D you know, with complicated motions like scrambling arms and stuff. Like It's definitely easier to work that out by doing some sketch blocking or doing a sketch pass or by animating it to 2D.
2: And in, like, in 2D, it's it's a lot easier to achieve that sort of feeling, like loose feelings um, that you can get in 2D drawings. Is there anything that you've encountered while working in 3D where like it made it a little easier to get that feeling of getting into that style of 2D, like using a 3D rig?
0: Really, it's just about animating it in 2D first. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> it actually just makes the process so much easier because you take the drawing... And then you're just literally copying the pose. (laughs) Mm. And the good thing about these studio rigs, at least, is like the rigs can be easily manipulated. They've worked with these characters for a really long time, so their technology, as far as like pushing them visually, is Mm -hmm. is pretty good. I know in the first Hotel Transylvania or the all of them really directed by Mm Gendy, Gendy was known to like. Do these like crazy drawings over the characters and he didn't care if it was 3D or not he was just like do this <laughs> 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 Oh my god I love Gandhi's work he he's super experienced he knows exactly what he wants out of like visual pose So all the way from hotel one they had to to work with that. So they were already doing this high degree of manipulation with the rigs to get these really aesthetically appealing poses.
1: So something I kind of want to touch on is you got to intern at Pixar Animation twice as a character animation intern in 2018 and 2019. How did each experience kind of differ from one another?
0: 2018 was definitely purely educational. Something in a classroom setting where they sit you down and they just have you work through shots for the summer. And they're always bringing people in with the understanding that you're not going to get hired by them or anything. Pixar has it in their budget to just teach students. So that's how they approach it. And yeah, there's never any guarantee as an intern to be hired. And I think... I think they tell you that, so you really do approach it just like you're learning and you don't feel this like air of competition <laughs> that happens
1: <clears throat> whenever
0: some hiring related thing is involved. 2019, they were just recently doing this thing back where they wanted to do returning interns. And what this does it, it lets them be a little bit more bold in like who who they choose as interns in the previous year. That's why you get people whose reels may not have a lot of 3D. Now we're getting more people who actually come from 2D backgrounds because they figure they have that first year to train you in the tools. And then 2019, for me, was really about performing with that. Take what they taught me and they bring returning interns onto one of the productions. Mm -hmm. So in 2019, some people were on Onward And I was pretty much working on the Spark short called Out. If you haven't watched it, it's one of the Spark shorts. It's an LGBTQ film. So adorable. (laughs) 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 But yeah, they they threw me on that. And it was really funny because Out was a really small crew. Pretty much... When I got on, it was just me, the director, and the supervisor on the animation team because everybody was on Onward. (laughs) Yeah, eventually we got more people on once Onward finished. But for a while, it was just us. We were working like super quick and dirty. Definitely not what you would imagine working at Pixar would be like, where you think it's going to be polished 3D animation that you take your time on because it's shown to the entire world. (laughs) This was... (laughs) Out was experimental. And what I loved about it was that I was able to actually work on it as a shot animator instead of, say, like a fixer-crowds. So Mm -hmm. it was one of my favorite experiences there.
2: Is that like you're animating the entire shot, not just characters? Or what does that mean?
0: Oh, a shot animator is like you're animating the hero characters. By hero characters, Mm. it's like the main focus of the shot. Some of the returning interns, they're usually working on what's in production at the moment. So some of them were working on Onward. And Mm -hmm. for the interns, they'll have you on like crowds characters or some fixed animation, which are great positions. You still learn a lot from doing crowds and fix, and also probably less inconsequential. We've also had interns work on other Spark shorts when when they those are in production, like Lift, mm. Loop, basically all of them, really. And the Spark shorts mm. need them, like they are done very quick on a lower budget, and they're usually like really good opportunities for animators to like get shot
1: work. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, it's something comparatively like onward—that's a big budget film. Obviously, there's probably more attention to detail on something on that. But when it comes to the spark shorts, and my understanding of it is that yeah, spark shorts are on a smaller budget. The spark shorts tend to be more passion projects about from people that are currently in Pixar, and like yeah, they work with a shorter time frame, work with a smaller budget, work with a smaller crew. So. There's a bit more liberty to be experimental. There's a bit more liberty to kind of push it. Because I think like, I think the idea behind the Spark Church is that some people just want to make stuff. It's like, oh, can we just make something internal? Like, what can we make if it didn't have to be shown to anybody? Like, we just want to make a thing. And so I think that's a cool opportunity that you got to work on out because it is experimental. It doesn't have the marketing or the backing of something like Onward or Soul. It's just meant to be more... Now, I don't want to say that the big headline films aren't creatively driven, but these are more passion-driven projects by a smaller group of people. And I think that's a great opportunity for a returning intern as yourself to get to work and experience that kind of uh, pipeline.
2: Yeah, for sure. It seems like a good direction that Pixar is going in because... From what I understand is that like the very old shorts that Pixar used to produce were always in pursuit of like new technologies. So like in order to get a short greenlit, you had to be doing something that was going to benefit like the next movie, basically. So like, you know, if it was like better textures or like a special rig or something, they would put that in a short so that they could use it for like future films like that technology would keep the ball rolling, basically. But it's really cool that they're kind of looking towards just telling more diverse stories like like the Sparks shorts, as you said, are like LGBT sort of that centered for out. And I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's giving either more diverse voices a chance to tell stories or younger voices to tell stories. Like I know, like as, like as far as diverse, like they gave Bobby Rubio, who was like an, an established veteran, but he's like from a Filipino background that got to tell his story float. So that was like one of Pixar's first like Filipino or like one of their first like Filipino directed stories. And there's also like, again, out LGBTQ And then there's like, or like a short like Burrow that was directed by uh, Madeline uh, Sh- uh, Shurfian. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce her last name. But yeah, Maddie, uh, she's uh, she's a story at Pixar and she's like she's still fairly young. And so that's another direction that Pixar's kind of doing with the Spark Shores is that they're giving a chance to younger voices to also tell and direct, which is awesome because majority of the time It kind of takes them a while to be able to direct, like, a full feature. Like, somebody that's, like, a new voice that's getting to direct now is Domi Shi, who directed Val. And now she has a chance to direct a full feature, which is honestly super cool. it's a direction that I'm happy Pixar is kind of taking. Yeah, yeah. To kind of go back on track, to kind of keep talking about, like, your time at Pixar, you actually got to work as a fixed animator for Soul. Like, you mentioned previously being a shot animator, but now you got to do some fixed animation for Soul. Can you explain... What the role is of a fixed animator, for those I may not know. I know you touched on it a little bit, but how was that experience?
0: Fixed animator, you get a really versatile plate of things. But mainly it's just about being the last line of defense as the shot moves to the next phase of production, right? Sometimes the animators get a note from like Sim to fix something in animation so the clothes don't go bonkers. Sometimes lighting affects animation that ends up needing to have it changed. Or sometimes a uh, animator just doesn't want to polish their shot and move on. Or sometimes they get late notes from a director that either are small or changes the entire shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Blow up notes. I mean, it could be a lot of things, but the most important thing is that you're you're trying to get it get these shots out of animation. So whether this involves like reanimating an entire thing. Because Mm -hmm. the director in the late game was like, "Eh, let's change this because we want to make it funnier. (laughs) Which happens when they do like punch up or when they're going through this film in general to like punch things up and make things funnier. Sometimes you get crowd work or sometimes, at least for me in Seoul, when inventory was low, I just offered to help out crowds, do some characters. Another random thing... I got was one of the Ratzenberger cameos. So he's a he's the voice of Mister Potato Head. This isn't obvious to most people, but usually they like to like throw him in <laughs> in each Pixar movie <laughs> as a little cameo. <laughs> so just random stuff like that that trickles down to us.
1: Is a fixed animator for those that may not be too aware. Is that kind of like also like an entry level position for somebody that wants to be a character animator at, at Pixar, or does fixed animator tend to be like an entry level for? people out of school
0: you might see more crowds positions opened i see a lot of like interns hired who will end up being a fixed animator but i think more often than not the entry level position is crowds maybe i'm wrong Mm. (laughs) but that's just my observation i don't think i see fixed animators listed as much in general for most studios
1: yeah, like I didn't know. I didn't know if like fixed anime was specific to Pixar or whatever. But I know like different studios have their own different entry-level positions. Like for example, like previous guest that works at Lucasfilm, he's in the entry-level story artist position, but his title is associate story artist. And then again, other studios have storyboard revisionist, which is also an entry-level for like story artists. So like different studios have their own like different, different entry levels. Like even Pixar, there's a story resident. So there's no story revisionist. There's no story associate. It's a story resident. So... Every, yeah, every studio has their own different terminology or entry-level positions. But I was just curious on the animation side.
0: Yeah. If you're not an intern, I usually, I usually see new people get into crowds. But they're again, they're interchangeable. And it's also a good way for them to hire the interns and kind of like let them learn a little bit more past the internship. Because what benefited with me was getting really technical about animation. There are just technical stuff to look out for, like intersections or one of the most beneficial things for me was usually fixing lip sync i wasn't Mm. really good at lip sync before but a lot of times there are notes where it's like just fix this lip sync make everything read better and Mm -hmm. you really get to focus very microscopically on animation
1: so now that you've been like you know you've been working in industry how did you feel when you transitioned from your first industry job after graduating from school
0: well good thing is i guess if we're considering the first industry job was being on seoul i was it's definitely a very good ramp up that they had at pixar so that wasn't a huge difficult thing for me because i knew at that point i knew everybody it was comfortable
1: yeah you went through the internship you got to work on on a spark shirt so this probably wasn't different from what you were kind of already learning and being trained for essentially
0: yeah. So essentially, Pixar trained me to work for Pixar, I guess. <laughs> 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 but I might consider Sony a big step up because now I get to be a, sh- a shot animator for a completely different company. And it's it's been really interesting like learning how they do things differently. But I definitely prepared myself for transitioning to Sony because in between Pixar and Sony, I was doing a bunch of random gigs. I was freelancing on some cinematics for Oddworld for the PS5. I was taking classes. I was was working with an advertisement company that required Mm -hmm. me to dabble in texturing, modeling, and teeny tiny bit rigging. But I was always continuing to learn and push what I can do. And it actually really helped to briefly get into a very generalist 3D position because as it turns out, like modeling and sculpting is a huge thing for Hotel Transylvania and just getting ready with that diverse skill set and doing a deep dive into Maya, definitely helpful. And I also got to work with a lot of different people and understand what it's like to work for clients, you know, like at the end of the day, it's just like, get this thing done at this time. (laughs) And... Mm -hmm that's just it. You just do work. Not every place is like Pixar where everyone's super friendly and they're teaching you and stuff. And that's, that's fine with me. Like at some point, I don't want to feel like I'm just an intern turned worker. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be mm-hmm. like a person making stuff for people.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's very cool. How was your experience attending uh, San Francisco State University pursuing a degree in cinema and animation?
0: Yeah, that was an interesting choice, because as I said, I I am from Anaheim, and when you think of Anaheim in LA, you're probably thinking, like, oh, but all the animation is over there, isn't it? And Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) Really, my choice in college was just a teeny bit arbitrary, because, I mean, you live in California, you go to Cal State, sometimes you get paid to go to Cal State, (laughs) Mm. because there's great, like, financial aid programs but the choice to go to San Francisco was maybe just me as a person like I wanted to like push myself a little bit personally get it get out of my comfort zone live further away from home but not too far and I also know that like San Francisco is my idea going to San Francisco is it's, it's this more like accepting place with a lot of different people and a lot of like acceptance of like LGBT people.
1: Was there anything that you kind of found or anything that you did during your time at school that you found beneficial that you would recommend to other students?
0: College is interesting and it's not for everybody. It was for me because I think compared to like online schools, content you learn could equal or the same. But the reason in-person college is is beneficial in general is because you, you learn how to meet people and interact directly with people sometimes you get to network this is probably more easy for people who go to like fancy art schools and stuff but either way like even the act of networking is really like building up yourself as a person Mm -hmm. and the amount you learn in college is always going to be equivalent to the amount you're willing to put in so even if maybe i was under challenged or or i couldn't take as a lot of like art classes because of weird like regulations or, or because you have to take like GE courses for the first two years. Mm -hmm. I was always just pushing myself regardless. When you're in a position where like not everything is like handed to you on a plate, public colleges and stuff definitely forces you to go out and put yourself out of your comfort. You know, like I I would always, always try to find people who are doing projects. Sometimes I do like editing or motion graphics for people. And for assignments... I was always just trying to like find ways to do something extra even if I'm not explicitly told to mm-hmm. but it really is just the amount of work you're willing to put into the art you do and the amount of work you're willing to put into yourself as a person. Believe me, I did not start out as a initiative person or go-getter and every time I put myself in uncomfortable positions i literally it's it's so hard Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i get anxiety every time like right before a zoom meeting (laughs) oh it's not that bad but Mm -hmm. i just think it's important to be aware that like not everyone starts out like rate not everyone starts out like social or really Mm -hmm. capable of networking stuff like sometimes it's an uncomfortable process that every time you do something different you just have to like bite your tongue and like go through it and deal with it once you do it enough times you start to see that change in yourself as a person like it gets easier to talk to people yeah social skills are just skills you just got to practice them yeah yeah I guess they say fake it till you make it is Mm -hmm. the saying. (laughs) Other than that, San Francisco State University was a little bit different. As far as the program itself, it, it definitely focused more on like experimental media. Having been under the cinema program, you're just inevitably exposed to like more live action stuff and more films in general. Like I remember taking a documentary class, watching awesome documentaries And just learning so much more about, like, things outside animation, which I think are all important. Like, animation is a medium that is supposed to encompass, like, a lot of different things. So, Mm -hmm. and you could bring your inspirations from anywhere. So, just diversify those inspirations with different experiences, like, editing live action or documentaries.
1: (laughs) So actually something I kind of quickly want to touch on is that you're actually working on a side project with Signing Animation. Uh, Would you actually mind talking a little bit more about that? I know what they're trying to do is kind of like kind of important in this space right now.
0: Yeah, Signing Animation, it started up last year. The goal of Signing Animation is for more deaf and hard of hearing representation. So and they don't just want to make stories of deaf people, they want to like be hiring deaf people, so that's a big part of the initiative. Is just to kind of like expand our database of like artists of deaf and hard of hearing artists, and also communicate with other studios or studios who want to integrate that. They're trying to go for like fifty percent deaf, hard of hearing to to hearing people, and yeah, I mean it's it's really great. I think I think diversifying definitely needs to be about hiring the people you want to include.
1: How did you get involved with that?
0: I met the founder. We were friends and then she she just up and said, "Hey, I'm going to make this studio <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to make this project. You want in?" <laughs> I was like, "Sure, I will help in any way. Like, I love the mission statement and I love that you are actually trying to prioritize the voices of deaf part of hearing people instead of just like mm-hmm. shoehorning them in mm-hmm. the way like some movies do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I just offered whatever I could do. And I love being part of like small projects who are just like starting to like get up. It's just a really cool mm-hmm experience to see someone just decide one day to like start something. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. it's it's really cool to see them like getting so much publicity and getting reached out to by so many places and people. It's it's like you start a small thing and you don't expect it to like get that big and then you don't expect the Kickstarter to raise forty thousand dollars in the first two weeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Just really quickly, just wanted to say at the time of recording, the Kickstarter for Signing Animation was live. Unfortunately, at the time date of release of this episode, the Kickstarter has already ended. But congratulations to Signing Animation for raising a ton of money and raising past their goal. Just wanted to give a huge congrats and shout out because we think they're doing such amazing things and we can't wait to see the final release short film. But I guess the one thing I want to say, I think it's super cool that you are working on something or helping aid something that's actively wanting to see more representation of of deaf people. And I think that's something that isn't talked about a lot or isn't seen a lot. And I I, will, I like that uh, signing animation is taking the initiative and something that's kind of like similar, to what we're trying to do here on Straight Ahead is that we're trying to help, you know, spotlight voices of color and kind of give them a platform. And it seems like you're already uh, doing something similar with signing animation, but how do you also want to see more uh, BIPOC voices represented in the animation industry?
0: Similar to signing animation is diversity. These two like happen with... How you're hiring. I would like to see more by POC, like in the hiring pool. You know, there are different ways to do this. I know when I mentioned the Pixar internship, one of their ways to do it is to have a returning um, student thing. And that way they could be more bold and who they choose to bring on, which means mm. their outreach can deliberately start looking in places that they wouldn't usually have gone. Instead of like Ringling or CalArts, they they go to like these small places like San Jose State or San Francisco State or New York Community College. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's how I met the recruiters at Pixar in the first place. I <laughs> didn't imagine that I would like go to somewhere like Pixar. <laughs> but <laughs> they got they got there and I don't know. It's 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 on like studios to just take chances with people, I guess. It's also another thing to have a representation in the media directly because, yeah, you need to give people a reason to like want to do animation. And now that there is more diversity in in shows and media, I think that definitely encourages people to put themselves out there and dream about working in something like that. Because it's one thing to need to hire by POC, but you also need to encourage them to get into it because just like me i wasn't going to apply to pixar i wouldn't have dreamt that i could go to something like that but (laughs) it's just important that by poc young creatives like understand that that is something that they could pursue or that is something they could do because i think a lot of people just give up because they don't think it's within
1: their reach i think absolutely right i think it comes more than just hiring on and off screen i think more of an effort should be put into like outreach programs, kind of how you're mentioning, like Pixar, kind of going out to these other schools, looking, interviewing students for portfolio reviews. But I think, I know some studios do it, but I think now more than ever, we should be seeing more of it. I think it's kind of harder with the pandemic, but doing these kind of outreach programs, kind of showing that like, hey, one, you can work in the studio regardless of your skin color, but two, there's already people of your skin color, people of color in the industry that like, you know, I, for me, I probably would have started on this path a lot sooner if I would have known more Hispanics in the animation industry, I would have seen somebody that was Hispanic working at Cartoon Network or working at Nickelodeon. But as a kid, I didn't uh, visually see that. Uh, luckily, I had like El Tigre. Luckily I luckily had Mucho Lucha. But like, I didn't know the faces behind it. That's something I want to see more. I do want to see like studios doing outreach programs to schools, like middle schools, elementary high school, kind of building an effort to get more people of color in the industry.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, I think it really helps to just see the people who work there themselves. I know it's hard to, sometimes it's hard to even be in a position where you're ever exposed to a studio at all, you know? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Like, unless you go to, like, art school, maybe you don't see anyone directly who works in the industry or you don't get that much exposure. But, I mean, it's really an inspiring thing when you see people of color. And then when you see this process that's animation, like, you really fall in love with just the idea of like being in that studio setting and it's definitely a comfort when <laughs> i see other people of color <laughs> in studio settings mm-hmm. and i have taught at a nonprofit before it's called Baycat they they usually do focus on young children from the bay area who go there after school it's a it's a free program sometimes they don't have access to equipment but it was so cool to see like these Kids like really into innovation. I just want to see more of that. I just want to see like kids being exposed to the process and like just understanding that this is a very tangible thing that you can do (laughs) and just dream for it and just go at it.
1: So for yourself, is there any future aspirations that you want to achieve in in this industry?
0: Clout chasing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 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 I'm just kidding.
2: (laughs) <laughs> I mean, if you want to, you just go for it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't even have a, a huge social media presence. <laughs> I mean, but my my aspirations really is just, just to continue learning. Like, that's all I have going on for me. <laughs> I just really like learning things. It just Even if it's tangentially related, I'll eventually work through the entire pipeline. <laughs> Not to be a generalist <laughs> or anything, but... I mean, just because it's the stuff is interesting, the animation's challenging. The stuff revolving around it is challenging, and it's a great career for me to be in. I guess in general, because it's everything is constantly new and engaging and exciting. Yeah, really, I'm just in the knowledge accumulation phase of my career.
1: Yeah, on the topic of knowledge accumulation, is there any knowledge that you have accumulated that you would want to bestow on students? That want to pursue a career in animation
0: really just just pursue it (laughs) and one of the biggest things i think that's gotten me through through my experiences was just being open-minded like and it goes hand in hand with like how much i like to just learn things for the sake of learning like maybe my level of open-mindedness is unusual not everybody probably does this, but it's really important to be open-minded when it comes to animation. I learned this in Pixar is <laughs> you will get a lot, lots of notes. And it's gonna <laughs> be it's an uncomfortable process to have your work critiqued. But you really need to be open-minded because everyone's just trying to help you out, trying to improve your work. So sometimes people don't take notes into account or they get hurt. When they put themselves out there and that's that's completely understandable like it's hard to be in a creative field where you really are just putting something putting yourself out there creatively but it's like being open-minded is just how you improve in general and just listen to people and it's not just being open-minded about your work but just being open-minded about people in general i think animation is really cool because like it can encompass so many different experiences and perspectives. Sometimes you just need to find enjoyment just going out there, meeting people outside of animation. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. It it could be a little culty bubble sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh totally.
0: <laughs> but I mean there's there's a world out there and animators need to try to like represent a world. So it's good to like have experiences like outside of your work which is funny because i think that was kind of one of the themes in (laughs) soul it's just (laughs) stop focusing so much on your work and just live a little
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah experience life
2: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to plug at this time?
0: Yeah, I mean, you could find me on LinkedIn. Definitely check out Signing Animation, support them, follow them. Mm -hmm. You could find them on Instagram at signinganimation, just signing underscore animation. Give them your support. Honestly, support them more than supporting me. (laughs) But. (laughs) yeah thank you for having me hopefully there's some stuff in there that's helpful
2: (laughs) (laughs) and if our audience enjoyed our interview with grace today please rate us on anchor spotify or wherever you tune in follow us on twitter and instagram at straight ahead ap and let us know your response to today's in-between questions. Or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for guests in the future, please contact us. We love discovering new artists and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier.
1: Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.